Good morning, Jock. How are you doing today? Really well, yourself. Absolutely fantastic. I got to ask you right from the start, all of these songs that you're featuring on Friends and Family are a huge chunk of my heart. As a musician, as somebody who has lived the life, does it affect you the same way as a listener? Well, yeah. First and foremost, I'm a fan. I mean, I when I was in high school in Colorado, um, you know, the birds, you know, it was the Beatles and the Stones yeah. and the birds and... You know, to I moved to Boulder to go to to uh, to col- college, and suddenly Boulder was a hotbed of music with Stephen Stills and Richie Fury and Joe Walsh and Dan Fogelberg and Chris Hillman, and suddenly I'm on stage playing with some of the Birds or Stephen Stills or Dan Fogelberg, and you're going, oh my God, you know. So I was at the right place at the right time uh, when Firefall was forming, and we were all about the songs. And, you know, you got to have the songs first and foremost. Yeah. You know, guitar, you know, lead guitar players are kind of a dime a dozen. And I'm a really good one. But boy, without the songs, we wouldn't have been anywhere. Well, that brings me to an interesting point in the way that you, you have evolved with the, 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 the art of storytelling. I mean, it has it's always been that connection. Give me a story and I'll sing right along with you. <laughs> Give you a story. Well, uh, one of the cool stories that... Uh, I have that I got to experience was I was on stage when Emmy Lou Harris and Linda Rodstant, Linda Rodstant and Neil Young came out and sat in with Graham Parsons wow. and the Fallen Angels. And that was the first time that Linda and Emmy Lou ever met or sang together. And we went back to Neil's hotel room and Graham grabs a guitar and plays 30 different country songs. And Linda Rodstant and Emmy Lou Harris sat about eight inches away from each other and blended their voices in harmony for the very first time. And boy, talk about magic. Wow, that has to inspire your creative soul as well. I mean, first of all, being from Colorado, that in itself is is a major plus because I'm from Montana. I get the connection with the earth and the mountains, but to be there with that kind of energy with those songwriters, oh my God. Yeah, and you know, Boulder, uh, not a lot of people know this, but uh, after the big Southern California thing that included the birds and the Buffalo Springfield and Poco and Graham Parsons and everybody, you know, Joni Mitchell and Neil Young and Roger McGuinn and Richie Fury and, and Don Henley, they all moved to L.A. and invented this folk rock first and then country rock. Mm-hmm. And uh, not a lot of people know that many of those people got tired of living in L.A. and they moved to the mountains in, above Boulder, Colorado. And when Firefall was just starting out, you know, we'd be playing and Stephen Stills would come in and sit in or <laughs> or Joe, Joe Walsh would come in. Joe Walsh was up at Caribou making Rocky Mountain Way. And, you know, it was just perfect timing and a hotbed of music in Colorado for a couple of years. Jock, if you only knew how much how much trouble I used to get in putting your music on a country music radio station, I would slip in You Are the Woman or Just Remember I Love You, and that program director would hit that hotline in a heartbeat. What are you doing to my radio station? It's Firefall. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Well, you know, it's funny because we were called, I think because of Rick and Michael Clark, Rick Roberts and Michael Clark's history with the flying breeder brothers which were one of the first country rock bands along with poco and you know and buffalo springfield and the birds went that country rock direction for a couple songs you know we were kind of called a country rock band from the start but we really never were you know we were a rock band that had a lot of nice great ballads and then suddenly all of our ballads was what 
was being the top 10 and mm -hmm. people thought, oh, you are the woman, that's Firefall. And, you know, you are the woman wasn't a typical Firefall song. A typical Firefall oh. song would be Mex Mexico or Cinderella, but we had we had a lot of great songs. Yeah, because I was always introduced to you guys and your new music through Casey Kasem. So he had to have played a major role in getting your sound out there. Yeah, you know, and you know, to be in his, on his radio shows. Well, when we when we hit it, you know, in 1976, our first album was so good that suddenly we're touring with everybody. Yeah. The Doobies and <laughs> yep. the band and and Marshall Tucker and Leonard Skinner and you know, and Fleetwood Mac to to actually be on open shows for Fleetwood Mac during the Rumors tour. That was, you know, 70 or 80,000 people a day in some stadium. Wow. Wow. How do, how do you keep calm in a moment like that when you step out there and all of these people are there to see Fleetwood Mac, but you're you're there also to bring your sound to a new audience? Um, It would be hard to do, even if you were the headliner, it, it'd be hard to do if you weren't totally confident, A, of the songs yep. and what your band did, but also, in my case, what I was doing on those songs, playing lead guitar, and I was never, I was never really nervous in front of fifty thousand people. Now you put me in a living room where there's three people <laughs> listening to you play. It's like, ah, yes, you know. Or, or even worse, if you write a song for a girlfriend yeah. and you're sitting there and you're going to play the song for her, it's like that is nerve wracking. Oh my God, I've done that where I've written a song like that, and then my wife looked at me and said, "So what's it about?" And no, no, really, it's it's it's. it's I did this for you. <laughs> What's it about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. You brought up the Doobie Brothers uh, on this on this new collection of music. You did. You've done a long train running. I mean, you. This is so original. I mean, I love the way that you guys embrace it and make it your own. Well, as producer of this record, oh. songs like "Part of the Plan" by Dan Fogelberg, I wanted to keep just like kind of his version. Now, it wouldn't sound the same because different singers, different time, right. different recording, all that kind of stuff. But when it came time as a lead guitar player to play the solo and part of the plan, I knew I had to pretty much play Dan's you know, solo because it's great. That's what people expect. But the Doobie Brothers song, I didn't know which song that we were going to do. And our new singer, John Basaha, who's also in the band called The Babies, they're not working very much, so it kind of works out that he's He's doing too, but uh, he said, I could really sing the heck out of uh, Long Train Running. Mm. I went, oh, okay. And, you know, I didn't really listen to Ro Long Train Running too much before we recorded it. I did know that the signature Tommy Johnson doobie lick on Long Train Running, you know, I wanted to not really feature that one so much and feature the second guitar uh, part. And instead of a harmonica, we, we put our sax player, Jim Waddell, on it. And that's one of the, the songs on this fa Friends and Family album that's a bit different. And I'm glad it is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, like, when, when you do go in there and you and you want to make your guitar sound like Dan Fogelberg, do, do you do it the old-fashioned way? You grab a 45 and you go real super slow and listen to it over and over and over again? Because, I mean, there's just something about music about go back and listen to it. Go back and study it. Get into it. Right. No, I, I, I don't do that. Although being a 70s guy, I make I make records in the old 70s 
way. So, like, for instance, on Just Remember I Love You, a firefall from 1977, uh, there sounds like there's one amazingly great uh, uh, acoustic guitar playing. And really, there's, like, four acoustic guitar playing on four different tracks, and you make it sound like one great guitar. And, you know, and so I always stack things, and, you know, we'll double or triple vocals and just make them sound so great. I didn't, I learned dance, Dan Fogelberg's solo. Wow. Um, you know, and played it kind of note for note, but I didn't try to, you know, sound like his guitar part or anything. Yes. Now, on Leonard Skinner's song, The Simple Man, you know, those three lead guitar players were like the hottest three guys in the business back in the, the 70s. And I didn't even try to duplicate their guitar sound or licks. I just played, you know, I played how I played on the solo and all the licks on Simple Man. But in the back of my brain, I'm really, I'm really zoned in on Leonard Skinner, you know, and, <laughs> and just they were, they were over the top. So as a lead guitar player, and that's what I do, I play lead guitar the best, you know, I, uh, I just really tried to be true to the original versions that we were doing. Dude, you're not going to believe this, but Simple Man is one of the biggest songs out there on the wedding tour. And and what I mean by that is, is that brides and grooms are, are requesting this song. And when they get your version of the song, I'm telling you, this song is really going to become a huge part of the wedding scene uh, starting you know, whenever they're getting <laughs> married. I believe it. Wow, the wedding circuit. I would have never thought that about Simple Man. You know, yeah, wow. Because, I mean, there, there's just something that I, I think what it is is that they, a lot of these uh, young adults that are getting married heard it as a kid. They realize I, I too, am a simple man and I, I'm going to, you know, and, and so they, they come together into this moment out there on that floor. And it's like, oh, my God, who would have ever thought? Wow. That's that's pretty amazing. And, you know, it's just so great to have picked and then recorded all these bands. I mean. I wanted to do In the Heart of the Night by Poco. Yeah. And, you know, that's one of Poco's biggest songs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and we got to know Rusty Young and, and Paul Cotton, who are now both deceased, really well in the past 20 years. And, you know, we did it our own way. But, you know, what great songs to choose from. And, hey, I got, I've got got a scoop for you, sir. <laughs> we're, five or, we're five or six songs into making Friends and Family 2 right now. So we're making another record with this concept. See, that to me is the preservation of music because, I mean, all it doesn't matter what generation you are, everybody loves great music. And when you do stuff like this, they're going to call it their own. And and so that, see, I right. love it that because a lot of radio nowadays, they're stuck in playing the same 10 songs. But you guys are saying, right. no, there's a lot more out there. And here it is. Well, you know, it's kind of, it's historic in a way because there's a lot of 20 and 30 year olds who's never heard any of those Doobie Brothers or Poco songs, much less Firefall, you know. So we're exposing them to a Dan Fogelberg song or to a Simple Man by Leonard Skinner. So it was really an honor. And we, we did this with love and respect toward that music. When you go into the studio to put this together, and I know that you were the producer of it, I mean, do, do you have a moment of your own? In other words, do you sit there going, damn, damn, that really hits me hard? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, of, co- of course, I'm a painter, too, and being in the studio and creating something musical out of nothing, um, it's kind of like looking at a blank canvas yeah. and saying, okay, now what am I going to paint? 
And, you know, and it was pretty easy because we had, you know, the original songs by these bands to, uh, you know, to uh, go from. But, you know, there's a point at which you're building up these songs and, oh, let's add some more background vocals or, hey, let's add a keyboard, an organ part here, you know, where you have to pretty much your hands off and you go okay that's it nothing yep. more yep this is as good as i can make it and you stop adding stuff to it so it was a really wonderful experience to because every firefall album i've ever made you know was all firefall songs yeah and to do this was was just fan fantastic you you talked about layering earlier with the music and then now you just tell me that you're a painter as well that there, there there's layering on that canvas i mean you you got to put the paint on top of the paint on top of the paint yeah, right. Exactly. And, you know, and as a producer, you you have to know when to hands off or mm -hmm. to stop or no, this doesn't need more percussion or whatever. And you just you have to be a really good listener, yeah. you know. And for instance, when somebody's out in the studio and putting congas on or <laughs> playing a bass part, you know, and you go, hey, you know, you need to do something that's slightly more simple on the choruses because you're playing too much there or whatever. Yep, so yep. you being a producer is just really being a good listener. It's so true about that. I once had a program director that sat down with me with, with all the stuff that I was producing and he looks at me and he goes, I, I see what you're doing on the screen, but who do you, who are you trying to reach? Do you have moments like that where you have to go, okay, is this too much for, for those that are going to receive it? Well, after having made so many darn albums in my life, I don't really have those moments anymore because I know in the process not to keep putting more vocals on or, oh, this doesn't need another guitar. Right. Or, you know, if you're like, you, like I said, if you, if you listen good, you know, when you're done or when, okay, this song needs a piano, Hey, you know, or whatever. And you just go as you go. And then you got to know when to quit. You know, one of the things that I've always struggled with, first of all, it's because of Firefall that, that I love harmonies because you guys really nailed it. But when I went in to record, my engineer was like going, no, you're putting too much harmony in there. And I'm going, but but this is what I grew up on. And and so did you ever have to relinquish control like that when it came to harmonies or a guitar solo or something or a piano riff? Um, Not so much the music part of it, but of course, a producer. And I mean, we worked with some great producers like Tom Dowd or Ron and Howard album wow. from our original albums. And, you know, and they're kind of in control in the studio. And they may say to you when I'm out there playing guitar licks and seeing what works, because, you know, when, when you're recording, you are the woman or Mexico or whatever song for the first time, mm -hmm. you don't, there's, there's no lead guitar on there. You got to play it. <laughs> and sometimes the producer would push the button and say, you know, I, I like what you're trying to do, but, try something different or else play a little bit less or this section yeah. needs something more, you know, so you get direction. And then of course the ultimate uh, control is whoever the record label is. They'll say, okay, this sounds great. Or now nah, you need to go back and redo stuff. And I remember in the old days we were on Atlantic. So we got to hang with Ahmed Erdogan a bunch of times. And on our second record after our first one came out and it was so great, Ahmed Erdogan and us had a listening party, you know, of the second record, and he listened and went, you know, this album's not good enough. Oh, God. You guys need to go in and add a couple <laughs> new songs and do a few things, and hey, no problem. You know, and Ahmed said, and he was right. 
you know, the first album we made for our second album wasn't as good as the one that we went in and redid. Yeah, yeah. Which I, I love that story because so many um, bands that I talk with today go, no, I'm going to do this one song at a time. Whereas you guys are featuring an entire album here. So many of the new bands, one song at a time. Is that fair to the process of music? Yeah, and ultimately, even a song like Friends and or an album like Friends and Family is one song at a time. But as the producer, I had to be above all, uh, all of it and think, okay, is this Poco song going to fit with yep. the uh, the Flying Breeder Brothers song, or is this? And and then figuring out the order of the songs that's kind of critical too, you know. Oh, and yeah. you know, you don't want to have four songs in the key of F together. <laughs> you know, you got to split them apart. Or you can't have three or four songs in a minor key without breaking them up with a major key happy song occasionally. Yeah, that's so true because, I mean, music placement is so important to me as a camper because when I'm out there and I've popped a CD in that machine, I want those songs to become a part of my atmosphere. And so and it starts with you and that song selection. Right. That, that's true. And, you know, it's just so great. And with us making a Friends and Family 2 album and we've got songs by Kenny Loggins and Stephen Stills and the Beach Boys and it's just so much fun. And what we're doing is honoring and in a respectful, loving way, doing some of the best songs ever recorded in the 70s, which is a decade that I don't think will ever be again. Right. You right. know, back then, record labels didn't have the control. And if you had songs that could fill an album that were good, you know, they let you do pretty much what you wanted to do, which that ended in the 80s, that's for sure. <laughs> you going to turn that album cover into a poster? Because I'm, I, I want that on my wall. I really do. Yes, we are. And you know what? My son, Jamie, did that, and he has he's a really good graphic designer. He came up with three covers in about 24 hours wow. using AI, and I looked at all three of them, and I went, oh, my God, that is great. Because the first album cover of Firefall was that comet and the, the reflecting yep, in, yep. in the water and Maxfield Parish and the blues. I, was, uh, I helped design that cover back in 1975-76, and I wanted our album to visually stand out from 200, 200 mm -hmm. other albums that were up on the music store. And so people would go, what's this? Yep. You know, and I'll tell you what, the cover, the cover on this album, you know, that my son Jamie did was it is fantastic. Absolutely. You got to come back to this show anytime in the future. I love your story. I love your band. You are a major part of my life. And I probably got into radio because of Firefall. But man, you got to come well, back. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. Well, you know, uh, I, I'm here, and and you can uh, anytime during the week we could do a, a, a follow up. So, yep. you know, keep us in mind, and thank you very much for having me today. You be brilliant today, okay, sir? <laughs> okay, I'll be brilliant.